Big Fluff. You know, eight dead mercs on a boat really doesn't ruffle our feathers. I'm pretty sure they were guilty of something and happy to have them off the water. But Nurse Sutton, single mother with twin girls, that's, that's something else. Yes, I know. My name is Kristen. We worked together every single day for seven years. She was a good person. So why'd you do it? I can't answer that. What did you do to yourself, Doctor? Make us understand. I wish I knew. Okay. Great stuff. Um, really informative. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's a brand new year. And what better thing to do in a brand new year than to look back at the previous year at all of the festering turds and pick out the most festering and try to find their silver linings. So it's Morbin time, everybody. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself because my New Year's resolution was less Jared Leto. And I'm already, you know how it is. It's like you get into like those first few weeks of January and you think you're going to do it. And then. Right. You know, you're out and about. Everybody's avoiding Jared Leto, you know, so it's like, well, maybe I should hang. I should get some Jared Leto because everybody's avoiding him. So, you know, it's crowded at the avoiding Jared Leto place. And yeah. then, you know, before you know it, you're back jared lettowing and it's uh it's another resolution down the crapper and you immediately feel gross and like you have failed <laughs> and like no shower on earth will get you clean enough yeah i you know i know you remember this but i, I want to tell our audiences do you re remember uh you and i did improv together i think people know that but yes uh we were in this troupe remote possibilities and there was a practice it wasn't even a show it was a practice we were doing where we had all these chocolate chip cookies at the practice and i maybe you can remind me why but for some reason you and i thought it would be very funny as a character choice for our two characters that we were playing that they constantly eat chocolate chip cookies in every scene and you and i basically made ourselves sick yeah no i remember that that uh that was a bad choice and I, I bring that up because I feel like that's how I felt watching Morbius of like, it was the same exact thought process of this will be funny. It'll be funny to watch Morbius. And then an hour into watching Morbius, I'm like, why am I doing this? See, I wasn't I wasn't sure which way you were going to go with that was that. What you said was that, like, it was the similar bad thought process that led to that or was our behavior Leto-esque in that we extended a bit and pissed off the people around us by doing stupid things that were rude and inconsiderate to them? I do think that's accurate that I don't feel like the people around us appreciated what we were doing, which was essentially eating all of the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and uh, for no payoff, except None. that it seemed funny. It, it did seem funny at the time. And then the tummy ache that followed. Yeah, which I was. Did we have like a show that night or something? I remember like just you and I hanging out later that night and having a sugar crash and 
maybe even going to like eat salad or something <laughs> just to like... or maybe we were watching a wrestling pay-per-view yeah i feel like we did hang out later that day and then had to eat some kind of solid something green food <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i mean jerry leto if uh, we haven't made that clear he's a weird creep and he was a weird <laughs> creep making this movie he refused to use his legs which work uh and he made people carry him around on set he took 45 minute bathroom breaks they eventually got him a wheelchair that he didn't need in order to save time in between scenes because he he just that's his method acting and i i hope everyone can feel the quotes that i'm doing because method acting you can hear them to him just seems to mean be a dick to everyone around you well and 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 here's the worst part about this is that he said in doing the research for this part that the character michael morbius was probably closer to his own personality than anybody he had played so there really wasn't a need for him to go super method but he did anyway just to be a dick yeah which i will give him credit that he accurately sized himself up because like michael morbius he's a weird creep who sucks the life out of everyone around him accurate assessment of michael morbius and jared leto (laughs) yeah so i don't like him i don't know if that's being like clearly conveyed but i'm not a fan and yeah i i was i was i was a little iffy about how you felt about jared leto but i think if i had to say that you're like 60 40 on him maybe yeah i think that's that's accurate and like look we're we normally try to be very positive on this show we 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 literally look for silver linings in bad movies and we will find silver linings in this movie and we are usually very forgiving of actors but he just that guy bothers me well and that's the like i don't necessarily think he's a bad actor per se no he's a bad person but he's a terrible person. He's a bad human being. Yeah. And and not like in a monstrous way, but in just like a petty dick way. Just, yeah, in a like, you know, yeah, a very surface level. And again, it's it's in that way that he goes, well, it's for the craft. It's like you can right. see it on screen. It's like, OK, you it's, made more that, BS, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's that BS toxic, like for the art nonsense that is never true. That you can, all, regardless of who you're playing, you can always be a kind person. Yeah, which I even like, saw some of the quotes from this movie were Matt Smith kind of saying like, yeah, I don't really get the whole acting thing. And like, I don't know, I was mostly amused by Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, it's this movie's dumb and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it. it so good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Matt Smith was amused by Jared Leto's our silver lining in the movie's dumb and bad. We'll see you next week. Uh, but I suppose I, we should go a little deeper. Yeah, I did. Can I can I have a digression? I, you know, on this show that we really strive not to have any for focus digression. laser focus. Yeah, we're laser focused. We because we assume that people, uh, you know, like they, they tune in because they want our our astute analysis and critique of films but they uh, certainly don't want to listen to an hour of our dumb movie pitches last week (laughs) yeah exactly uh that would just be indulgent yeah but uh but no uh so i i just i always love this story and i always think of it when anyone talks about uh method acting which is that when Lawrence olivier and dustin hoffman did marathon man together that dustin hoffman stayed up for 72 hours straight for the part 
And Olivier said, my dear boy, why don't you just try acting? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, um, I've heard a slightly different version of that where it's him being even snarkier, where like Dustin Hoffman like ran around and got himself real tired to play the exhausted character. Yeah. And then he, then he asked Olivier, how do you do it? And he's like, I act, dear boy. Yeah. And also to be clear, I mean, what he probably said was closer to, I act, dear boy. <laughs> Ain't that? <laughs> Famously cockney Sir Lawrence Olivier. Well, it's just, you have to be loud and yeah. British. <laughs> what, what I love, so like, Sir Lawrence Olivier is like the venerated actor of, of venerated actors. Mm-hmm. I love that his friends called him Larry. Yeah. I oh, love that Larry so much. Oliver. Yeah. He's, yeah. To me, he'll always be Larry Oliver. <laughs> he'll, he'll always be Larry Oliver to me. <laughs> And I just want to say for the record, he was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, I just want to remind yeah. everyone that the only time we've ever discussed a movie that Laurence Olivier was in on this podcast, it was Phantoms. That's true. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find another. Yeah. Well, we're we're going to get around to Clash of the Titans. I mean, yeah. at some point. But a lot of people say that Phantoms was the Lawrence of Arabia of uh, Dean Koontz adaptations. <laughs> Dean Koontz movies. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so Morbius is a movie that was made by Sony. And I want to remind people because they might not make this connection. These are the people that made Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. They are capable of and making... Spider-Man 2. Yeah. These are the the same people, a lot of them, the exact same people in charge of Sony who are capable of making films like uh, the first two Spider-Men that, um, you know, were made with Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Which all three excellent movies. They're great. Stop what you're doing and watch all of them right now if you have the time. Uh, You could make a genuine argument that Into the Spider-Verse is the best superhero movie. Yeah, it's probably for sure the best Spider-Man movie. And yeah, it's in the conversation for best superhero movie. Probably right. for sure the best animated superhero movie. I know there's a lot of caveats, but I'm just saying it's it's in all of these conversations and should be. Right. You know, it, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. Stop what you're doing. Go watch that again. Because if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you've watched Into the Spider-Verse at some point. <laughs> I think that's a fair bet. Yeah, I think sure. that Venn diagram's about a circle. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, so Sony can on occasion make really good Spider-Man movies, and they, to be clear, have an iron grip on Spider-Man. They will never stop making Spider-Man movies. They got those rights in the '90s, and they have clawed onto them ever since. Right, they've let almost everything else go, but they're still making. They're they're keeping. I mean, Spider-Man is. I would say easily the most iconic Marvel character. Yeah. And before the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like really. It wasn't close. Yeah. Like he was it, you know, uh, I did. It's a, a testament to what Kevin Feige and all of those people have done that uh, Captain America and that anybody and gives Iron a shit Man about Thor and Thor. Yeah. That they've in Black Widow, like that they've all become household names is because of those films. Before that, it was Spider-Man and. Uh, didn't they do the X-Men? I think was usually the conversation. Yeah, I mean, like, 
so far out in front is Spider-Man. X-Men were pretty well known. Like that 90s cartoon was hugely popular. But again, just like X-Men. I mean, maybe Wolverine particularly. If they could name an X-Man, it was Wolverine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the bald guy. The bald guy. Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Right. But yeah. And then an even more distant third than the entire X-Men universe is Incredible Hulk because of the 70s show. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's... It is. I mean, that is really a testament to Kevin Feige that people know who Groot is. Yeah. Groot, Thanos, you know, <laughs> like and really all of the Guardians of the Galaxy in particular, like the fact that right. someone's like Nebula. I am aware of that character, you know. Right. It's like, uh, yeah, I know who Falcon is. <laughs> yeah. He hangs out with the Winter Soldier, you know, all yeah, of these of well-known characters. <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the most iconic superhero duo in existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Batman and who? So, yeah, all of that to say, Spider-Man number one, uh, unequivocally for Marvel for a long time. And and yeah, the the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, uh, two of them are really great. One of them we did on this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we did all of the Andrew Garfield <laughs> what's on this podcast as well. We did. Uh, but... Morbius, like Venom, comes from Sony really sitting there and going, what else do we own technically? Yeah, what can we make movies about? Yeah, what else? By owning Spider-Man, what else falls under that umbrella? And Morbius is one of those characters that is a Spider-Man character. So therefore, like right. Venom, I he got his own movie. I will say that's some impressive foresight and negotiation on Sony's part back in the 90s or some unimpressive lack of foresight and poor negotiation on Marvel's part back in the 90s when these rights were brokered, where they got the right to the basic, like the entire Spider-Verse. I mean, all the villains, the rogues gallery, and even more than Spider-Man being like the Marvel Comics character, I would, I would say that Spider-Man probably next to Batman has the most famous and interesting rogues gallery of any superhero. Yes, but I would say there's a gap there, too. I mean, oh, there's. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, and to me, it's like, I, I mean, I would be fascinated. It would be a great and maybe this exists and I just don't know about it, but I would love lawyers to break down the contracts of because you got into that. I mean, it's a moot point now because Marvel owns Fox, essentially. So they right. they, they, they were able to back. buy back. The X-Men. Fantastic but, Four, et cetera, X-Men. But that was a weird thing, too, where it was like for a while, you know, they could have Scarlet Witch and um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver in the MCU, but they couldn't say that their dad was Magneto. And also there was a better Quicksilver in <laughs> the X-Men movie. So it's like, yeah, the actual way that they are able to parse who can use what is really interesting. Because also, I mean, I always associated Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain, uh, but he he shows up. Well, I mean, and he is pretty tied to Daredevil as well. But like, you know, he, you know, D'Onofrio played him in the Daredevil show and like right. the MCU has access to uh, Kingpin, you know. And so like all of that, how all that plays well, out. Yeah, and, and I think that like comic book fans 
Kingpin was a Spider-Man villain because he was like a street level villain. Spider-Man was a street level hero. It really was. And again, this is getting into super comic book nerddom. But uh, Frank Miller, I think, was the one that really made Kingpin into a Daredevil villain. Right. As much because like Daredevil was the one that actually exposed and brought down the Kingpin. Kingpin revealed Daredevil's identity. So they became linked after the fact. Right. But yeah, just Kingpin's a lot more interesting than like Bullseye or Captain Boom or uh the boomerang or any of the other dumb daredevil villains yeah it's weird that both dc and marvel went for a boomerang guy they were like this has got to be good because captain boomerang is the suicide the dc one yeah yeah but like the fact that they were both like no there's something here it has a weapon and it comes back to him what about trick boomerangs (laughs) still the best thing that jai courtney's ever done was die in the first act of uh suicide squad yeah he did and he did it well he did. He went for it, man. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so so Morbius clearly came out of that of like Sony wanting their own. Um, I think that it has a weird name, like they call it the Sony Spider-Man cinematic universe, I think. The SSCU. Yeah. The SSCU, which rolls off right off the tongue and doesn't sound like a weird ship at sea. No. Yeah. It does not sound like a designation of uh United Federation of Planets Starfleet ship. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's Venom is in this and and Morbius. And I guess, you know, we're pretty deep into this. I and people have listened this far. I I mean, I don't know if people know or not, but Michael Morbius, it, he has some vague blood disease that causes him to annoy his crew members. And he's friends with. Uh, Matt Smith and when they were little boys they both had this disease together and they made origami and they were harassed by generic look actually you know what I was trying to summarize this plot but can I take a minute to to talk about it is such a and I'm it's not just this movie so I'm not even like I'm, I'm calling out all comic book movies but there is such a specific thing in comic book movies. And honestly, DC is usually the one that's more guilty of this, including the singing lawyers in uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. But just random bullies that just attack someone completely unprovoked in the most cartoonishly dickish way possible seems to be a staple of comic book movies at this point. Yeah. And like. I was a fat kid who loved pro wrestling and comics when I was young. I didn't get attacked a lot. I got bullied a little bit, sure, but nothing like that. But that's what I mean is like bullies exist and I understand that. But the idea of a bully who doesn't know you and also like these are in in Morbius. These are bullies who are picking on a sick kid, a kid that has the like arm brace crutches that cannot walk like the worst like biggest a-hole that i knew in school would not have like physically assaulted that kid right he might have called him names but he was not like kicking his crutches out or anything like that and it's like completely just random and unprovoked the kid has a note an origami note it falls out the window he goes to get it they're reading it okay sure but then like they just mercilessly you know bully him to the point that he attacks one of them and then they all you know jump him basically which is yeah but again it's like the the lawyers on uh you know famously in new york like uh if people see any weird person on the subway they immediately Immediately interact and break into song there's one thing i know about new york in the 80s is that uh 
everybody knew the lyrics to uh American Songbook Standard Send in the Clowns. It was but we're weird. not talking about Joker because somehow people like that movie, even though it's hot garbage. But it is a weird note that, that that was a question on the bar exam in the 1980s in New York. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that. You had to know all of the lyrics. Right. Yeah. You had to actually, part of passing the bar was a pitch perfect performance of Send in the Clowns. Well, that was because of the, the infamous case Bozo versus the state of New York, but we don't have right. time to get into that. No, that, we can't get into the the... Intricate details of Bozo B, uh, New York. <laughs> yeah. Even though a lot of people say that it, it was a groundbreaking case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. but It, it did establish some important legal precedents that we don't have time to get into. Yeah. Most of them involving small buckets that you had to throw things into from a distance. Yes. Anyway, Morbius. Morbius. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I we're gonna talk about it now. Um, but it made me chuckle for how dumb it is that, like Michael Morbius's child character, is so jaded about the death that surrounds him that whoever gets assigned the bed next to him, he just calls Milo because that was the first kid that had the bed and died. Yes. Yeah, and he doesn't and, even remember first Milo. And eventually, so Lucian is the name of. Matt Smith's childhood character, and he just accepts that he's Milo now. Yeah, yeah, he goes by it. They also immediately like it's weird because they establish this thing about Michael Morbius and then immediately betray it with no justification that he's like, I don't get to know the new kids because you're all going to die. And then there's a problem with the blood transfusion machine and he leaps into action to save new milo and they immediately become best friends who write each other origami notes tale as old as time <laughs> can we also take a minute to talk about the fact that like cards on the table i am a huge fan of matt smith i think he's a phenomenally talented actor i enjoy him and everything i've seen him in but man he just i don't know if it's him i don't know if it's his agent i don't know if he was cursed but his just success rate with the films that he in, like he was a great Doctor Who, you know, he was great as the Doctor, uh, had a fantastic run. And then his movie career has just been that bad Terminator movie. This like I even liked uh, Last Night in Soho, but even that didn't really. It, it, it did poorly, but I think it's a good movie and I think he's good in it. But like I think he, he's miscast in it, but I think he's good in it. Yeah, but that's the thing is like I really enjoy him and everything, but he just doesn't for whatever reason it doesn't seem to land the stuff that he does. No, he needs to do British produced TV series because he's great in Doctor Who. He's great as the young Prince Philip in The Crown. Yeah, uh, you know uh, I haven't watched uh, House of the Dragon yet, but I hear he's great in that. I'm kind of waiting to to binge the whole mess. I'm waiting for someone to tell me I have to watch it because I was yeah, so I haven't heard that yet either. I was so I've, burned by Game of Thrones that I'm like, you have to really sell me on this. But I've heard very good things. So maybe yeah. we'll watch that at some point or our spinoff podcast. Uh, Silver Linings stream back. I don't know. We'll yeah. Just watch the, a whole show and, and Silver Linings. Uh, the, the Silver Throne something. I don't know. We'll figure yeah, it out. The, the, the Game of Silvers something. <laughs> Uh, by the way, a uh, fun bit of trivia that I did see was that I think the that four doctors from Doctor Who have ended up in comic book uh, 
project because David Tennant. All villains. Yeah, all villains. David Tennant uh, was in Jessica Jones. As uh, the Purple Man. As the Purple Man. Capaldi was in Suicide Squad as that. What was the name of the character? The, weird, the Thinker, I believe. The thing I was going to say Weird Brain Guy. Um, That's it. No, I was wrong. It's Weird Brain Guy. Uh, and then, and this, and then what is the one I'm forgetting? I know this. Eccleston was in also a movie that we watched for the pod. Oh, he was uh, Malekith in Thor the Dark World. Thor the Dark World. Yeah. He wore a leather jacket the whole time because that's his yes. thing. He's, I'm yeah. not wearing the costumes. And, but, a, and a V-neck. <laughs> that's Eccleston's trademark. Uh, that's I also, his deal. If you're going to cast Eccleston, he's, he's just going to dress whatever he wore to set. Which was really weird when he played Destro. Like he just yeah. refused I'm not wearing a silver head. Shut up. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> you F off. <laughs> silver uh, head. Uh, anyway, um, I also, while we're talking about names and all of that, I really weird to me, the, the clip where it was the broadcaster was like, the victims were found drained of blood, which is why they, they've started calling him. And I'm like, I'm ready for this. All right. What are they calling him? The vampire killer. Really? <laughs> like, what a placeholder name for the killer uh, that they you did not You know that someone suggested to. Sucktacula, and they, they didn't go for that. Which also, was also an alternate title for Morbius as a comic book character. Yeah. Was Sucktacula. Yeah. Oh, and this movie, after it came out. That was... I... <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure that's in the Peter Travers review. Sucktacula. <laughs> A.O. Uh, Scott says, spectacular sucktacula. <laughs> That's where you do the, uh, the spinal tap. <laughs> Just, it sucks, is the, the full review. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, vampire so, killer is what they were calling him. Not, the vampire killer. Not not just the vampire. The vampire, not Dracula, which I realize would get confusing because Dracula is a character in Marvel, but whatever. Like, right. not anything just related to vampires. vampirism. Not yeah. Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing along those lines. Um, just vampire killer. Not like the San Francisco vampire. Which also, I want to point out, too news media in fictional New York in the Sony uh, Spider-Man <laughs> cinematic universe uh, makes it sound like he kills vampires. So maybe it rethink does. That. Yes, the vampire killer makes it sound like he is the one who kills vampires. Yeah. So in which case, then he should be. Uh, wow. Why am I blanking on that? What's the guy that kills uh, Dracula? The Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Yeah, he should be called Van Helsing. Yeah. Stan Helsing. Which I think is also a movie, but yes. So Dan Helsing, <laughs> completely original. Mike Helsing. Anyways, Mike Helsing. Yeah. Um, they could have called him like the the mighty Morbin vampire killer. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Like M M Morbius Big. Is that anything? Morptorious B.I.G. That might be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Morbius, more problems. Ooh, I like that. That might be it. That might have something there. <laughs> My guess is before they knew it was Morbius, even though it's real obvious that it's Morbius. But also, didn't they? I mean, I, I believe in that scene, like five seconds later, they show 
his mugshot, but maybe they didn't know his name. I think they maybe just had an image of him or something. Yeah. Like, so anyways, Morbius, Morbius is around. And then eventually, uh, Matt Smith gets Morbius powers. Yeah. Which I guess you can just do like, he just did it on his own. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he, he, and that's also it's this thing like they try to establish like Morbius. He is a vampire, but he's like he's got a code. And then Matt Smith is a vampire, but like doesn't have a code. Doesn't. And also they mention what do they call themselves Spartans or whatever. Like there's some weird allusion to that that they I don't know. This movie's a mess. Also, there's like a lot of weird mist effects when they move around. Yeah. That. Not only does he become a vampire and has like a psychic link kind of with vampire bats kind of, but he can also travel like he can like misty step. Yeah. Also, I'm on to you, Morbius, of that shot where he walked into that cylinder full of bats and the bats ascended upwards and you played deep tones like that. You had that too, Andy, right? Of like, you guys are doing the Dark Knight. Like, this is a shot from the Dark Knight. This is the Zimmerman score. Like, you're just blatantly trying to make me think of the Dark Knight, which in a way, thank you, because that's a better movie. I actually watched that the other day because I was like, you know what? I need something to watch. I'm going to put on the Dark Knight. I have watched that movie within the last month as well. I watched that movie a lot, but it's really good. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, this is a movie about a Batman that isn't good. But, like, did you think that, too, that they, they're using the bats similar to how the bats are used in The Dark Knight, and they're playing a score that sounds similar to the score of The Dark oh, 100%. Knight? 100%. And, yeah. like, Morbius in the comics is, like, a bat-themed villain because it's, like, his DNA combines with the vampire bat to make him this weird, like, vampire-type thing. Yeah. But it's just, you guys know what you're doing. You didn't accidentally... <laughs> Like, you know, reference the cinematic language of the Dark Knight. Like no, that, not that was that was completely intentional. I would imagine someone on set said, "Let's do that Dark Knight thing." Yeah, and then the composer was just like, oh, "Okay, I get it. I guess I'll just write the Dark Knight's theme." Just or his just phone long, was just dissonant tones. His phone was on vibrate, and that's what the mic picked up. And they're like, "That's it. Use it." <laughs> There we go. That's 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 the soundtrack. And then um, he just took his briefcase full of money and left. Yeah, and he eventually just kills Matt Smith. Yeah, with bats or something. I I will I want to be clear. I watched every frame of this movie and I paid attention and I'm still like, I don't know, the bats killed him or something. Like it all yeah. feels very sweaty. And then we we really should try to pivot to silver linings, but there's plenty more to just well, crap on. Well, hold on, because before we can do that, my friend, uh, I I will not go to silver linings until we talk about the post credit scenes. Oh, no, that's I was going to make that the last thing before we pivot, because the whole like. Relationship between he and his assistant, Martin Bancroft, is just nonsense. Yeah, I, yeah, there's all of that. Uh, like, yeah, they just start kissing at one point and then well, there she dies, no, but she doesn't. There has been no romantic chemistry between the two of them. They seem like colleagues that are fond of each other and then they kiss out of they nowhere. They have a professional respect and like 
care for each other, but not in any sort of romantic way. But then they kiss and then she dies, but then she doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of his blood gets in her mouth or something. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, so because there's not going to be a sequel. (laughs) So this movie was being filmed. uh, I think it started filming before No Way Home, which is very funny. That's accurate. Yeah. Just hilarious to think about, because while uh, the crew was working on this somewhere, other people at Sony were uh, getting to work on No Way Home with uh, Marvel and going like, oh, wow. Well, you guys wrote that. That's like a script. And you guys thought of that. And then you're going to film it. Whoa. You guys are good at this. Yeah. You guys know how to m- movie real good. <laughs> and so because of that and because of the way that movie played out, they they originally had Michael Keaton. So there's a bunch of stuff where uh, they had J. Jonah Jameson in this movie and then they cut him out of it because they realized that this that the universe that Morbius is in is not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But then right. No Way Home allowed there to be these different universes within a shared multiverse. And so they they cut the J.K. Simmons stuff out, even though I feel like you still could have had J.K. Simmons because he also exists in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It could be a variant. They've established that those are things that happen. But they also had Michael Keaton and it was in the trailer. There was a scene with Michael Keaton that is not in this the finished version of the movie. And instead we get so he, you know, Michael Keaton, who was Vulture in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, who's in prison. Then he he, you know, I, I don't know, like dis- he somehow through very rushed uh, CGI just leaves that prison and shows up. He essentially an- quantum leaps into the other prison. Yeah, which then the movie tells us that he it was an empty prison cell and he just appeared in it. And then he's released from prison because that part makes sense that, you know, he just showed up in prison and they don't have any reason to hold him. Although it doesn't obviously really want to delve into whether or not another version of the vulture you know that guy i can't remember his adrian tombs yeah if adrian tombs exists in this world we're not answering those questions we're not interested in that but uh so he's released and then i actually pulled the audio because i assume i i so we see so Morbius drives out to the middle of nowhere. He checks his watch and then the vulture shows up full in vulture costume, which if you're wondering, where did he get that? That's exactly what I was going to say. If you're wondering, well, how did he get the costume? Cause he was in prison and that costume was made from uh, the, the, the pieces of spaceship from uh, the, the ship that invaded in the first Avengers movie. That's how he was able to build that suit. So that didn't happen in this universe. So how, where did that suit come from? Don't you worry. It's not going to tell you. It's not in any way interested in answering yeah, that question. If you're question. worried about solving that puzzle, you don't have to because no one did. Yeah. But so he shows up and then I assume at gunpoint, Michael Keaton <laughs> delivers <laughs> these lines, which Michael Keaton, one of our greatest actors who I dearly love. I love Michael Keaton. He's one of my faves. I'm pretty sure... Because it's all CGI, so we don't even see his face. I'm pretty sure they had him record this on an iPhone and text it to them. <laughs> they recorded this on a Nokia flip phone. <laughs> but but here, let's enjoy this this 
mid-credit teaser for future films that we get where Morbius and Vulture meet for the first time. Oh, well. Thanks for meeting me, Doc. I've been reading about you. I'm listening. I'm not sure how I got here. Has to do with Spider-Man, I think. I'm still figuring this place out, but I think a bunch of guys like us should team up. Could do some good. Intriguing. Again, since we mentioned improv at the top, this feels like when you're doing a scene and then someone has negated everything you've done and you're just trying to justify. <laughs> yeah, you're just playing a justification game trying to get back on track and has to do with Spider-Man, I think. Like what? Also, Morbius doesn't know who Spider-Man is. That's the like the weirdest thing about all this is that in the Sony Spider-Man cinematic universe, the SSCU. Um, there's no Spider-Man. Yeah. So he's referenced. So, I mean, there's a million questions. How did he get the suit? How did they arrange this meeting? But they're meeting, but he's saying to team up. He's a guy that Morbius doesn't know saying that we need to team up to take on a guy that doesn't exist. And he's like, interesting. Like what, what does any of that mean? It's, it's word salad. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's it's just like, well, we have to film something. It's it, like, eh. because like the comics do a really good job of connecting Morbius and Spider-Man and, and Morbius is essentially in like an half hero, half villain sort of treads the line uh, in the comic Spider-Verse. And much like Venom really doesn't work without Spider-Man, but they end up making one okay movie and one other movie we could do for this podcast. Uh, Morbius also doesn't work as much independently from Spider-Man, or at least he's not interesting enough to stand alone to make a whole movie out of, yet Sony this, tried. I think this movie proved that definitively. Yeah, definitively. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I put five seconds worth of thought into this, but just even based on what they presented, which I also don't even understand based on the events of No Way Home, which is another movie that I love, why he would, the vulture would end up in this world, like nothing about the spell that uh, Doctor Strange casts would make that happen based on everything that we saw, not to mention the fact that, I mean, well, there's the question too, did he forget? Who that Peter Parker is Spider-Man because of that spell doesn't matter. We're not answering questions. It's fine. But um, if within five seconds of thought. So, OK, so he shows up in the prison. They release him from prison. Show Michael Keaton like arriving at his garage where he worked or his uh, house or whatever and finding that they're not there and then just not really sure. Like they released him from prison, but he doesn't know what to do. And then just have Morbius show up and be like, you look lost. Maybe I can help. That would have worked. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. So, there, there you go. <laughs> or, like, maybe you have him on his release day from prison in the MCU, so he's, like, returned all his stuff, so he gets the vulture tech back, and then he disappears into the Spider-Verse. You don't do the prison cell thing. And like you show you like you show him reading a newspaper or watching a TV that has the Morbius story where they talk about Sucktacula. 
and and then he goes to meet him. That makes more sense too. Yeah, and explains why he has the vulture tech. Yep. All of it better. We should have made this movie. Sony, holler at your boys. Yeah, we could have made a better movie. Here's the first thing I would have done: not cast Jared Leto. Here's the second thing I would have done: slapped Jared Leto. <laughs> Unrelated, because he would isn't working on the movie. But we would have no, said that. I would have just called him in for for a screen test and just slapped him and then sent him on his way. Also, why not give Matt Smith the part of Morbius? He would have sure. Been, he would have been a better Morbius. Why not? Anyway, uh, we're pivoting, right? So we, we yes, promised. let's pivot. Okay. Uh, this is a short list. The answer is Tyrese and El Sandoval. <laughs> you mean Al Madrigal? Or Al Madrigal, that's right. They are putting in some good work, particularly like in, uh, Tyrese. Is, he's enjoyable, but particularly Al Madrigal, I enjoyed a lot. Like I feel like he's giving a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they were good, but also Matt Smith. And look, I'm going to particularly highlight. That scene where Matt Smith's shirt is open and he's dancing around. Yeah, it's it's he's channeling James Gum. It's awesome. Yeah, like that's great. Yeah, the two detectives are enjoyable. Um, I, I, I just want to go on record and say that Tyrese is a bad actor and I love everything he does. Yeah, it's a mission in freaking sanity. Yeah, we've we've done a lot of Tyrese movies at this point because we did a lot of Fast and Furious movies. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've watched a lot. Of, and there's a lot more Tyrese movies we could do. I, uh, but yeah, I he's not good at acting. But I, man, I love him. I appreciate having seen his uh, Fast and Furious films that he got to be kind of a badass in this movie. He's not afraid yeah. of everything. Right. He's not uh, the butt of the joke that he's, you know, good at his job. It's weird that he went to space in the Fast and Furious franchise and not in a Marvel film. Yeah. Weird things. The movies are weird, man. What can I say? Um, Jared Harris. Always I like him. love Jared Harris. Yeah. He is, he is value added. Uh, he was great as Lane Price on Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, what a great like mentor type actor like he's kind of aged into that bit where he is just can really be that sort of you know wise sage mentor character and that's sort of what he is in this movie and just like his timing is great his delivery is great big jared harris fan yeah no he was great um (laughs) you know what i like what i think is a silver lining is the memes yeah the memes yeah, and really funny story, uh, too, that I assume everyone knows, but worth mentioning again on this podcast. So, again, like, Morbius came out. Uh, it, I think, if I remember correctly, it had the second biggest drop in box office from week one to week two, behind only another film that we've done on this show, Steel. Uh, but Morbius had a huge drop off in its second week. It did not do well in the box office. But... <laughs> It did capture the attention of the internet, where a lot of people made a lot of Morbius memes. It's Morbin time, a line that is sadly never said in the film, was said online. There was all kinds of stuff. They were all hilarious. So you should check them out. But I also love the fact that Sony saw all the memes and went, you know what? There's an people, audience. I think people love Morbius now. And they re-released it in theaters, and it tanked a second time. And just... The, the- the per screen average was under $300. Yeah. 
And and movie tickets now cost four thousand dollars each. So that just shows how bad. Yeah, it doesn't. It the mass doesn't even work. It means like negative one person was in every theater. Right. That someone like purposely bought a ticket for another movie and said, "I'm not buying a ticket for Morbius." <laughs> well, they track that though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I am buying a ticket for Minions. Minions isn't out. I don't care. I'm buying a ticket for Minions. I assume because Morbius is probably PG thirteen. The the only sales I think they had were children sneaking into R rated movies and buying Morbius tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Which can kids still do that? Like, cause that I wondered because I love now one of the greatest innovations in movie going is the fact that you can buy assigned seats to movie yeah, theaters. Yeah, it's the best. But has that ruined the not that I would ever do this, but like, you know, I kids buying tickets to one movie and then sneaking into another one. I will say I've actually never done that. I never, never bought tickets for a movie and then saw the movie I wasn't allowed into. I did never pull that scam. Actually, the, only, the for real, the only the closest I ever did to that. And I can't remember what I saw, but uh, my buddy and I saw a movie and we were young enough that my brother had taken us to the theater and he was seeing Die Hard with a Vengeance and our movie ended first. And so we went in and saw, so I saw the end of Die Hard with a Vengeance out of context before, like when I was too young to be watching it. And before, I don't even know if I had seen the first Die Hard at that point. I will say that the one scam that what I did run is uh, one of the movie theaters near me, uh, for whatever reason, there were never anybody watching one of like the exit only doors. So one person would buy a ticket and then let us all in the exit only door and we'd go to the movie. Well, yeah. And the, the similar to that, I mean, Lars, who I do Hobo Radio with, we were friends in high school and he worked in our local movie theater and he used to just sneak me into movies all oh, the yeah. time where I saw The Matrix, I think like six or seven times in the theater because he kept just well, letting me in. <laughs> And the weird part about that is you just kept paying him anyway. And he's like, I'll take your money. Sure. Well, actually, the really funny thing about it is that the movie theater in our hometown was so small and crappy that the problem was sometimes no one had bought a ticket to a movie. So you couldn't sneak in unless one person bought a ticket because then they couldn't run the movie. So you had to count on one person buying a ticket to sneak it, which did not always happen. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Um, Yeah, I think we did it. I mean, Al Madrigal and Tyrese and Matt Smith and Jared Harris are they are trying their hardest, man. They are they are in a better movie than this was. Yes. The memes are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like the outer narrative of this movie's run in cinemas is hilarious. Yeah. I Um, mean, I'm a fan of Michael Keaton begrudgingly having to deliver bad thin dialogue so that was silver lining for me (laughs) i i tell you what i would love to see is like a a who's more upset about the role they're cast in michael keaton being vulture in morbius or uh harrison ford being han solo in rise of skywalker i do think i think you raise a great point that that this should be let's mark this for for 2023 let's make a goal to have where we keep track of uh, old men who begrudgingly are contractually obligated to deliver dialogue in a film. 
<laughs> that they uh, don't care about. That they don't care about. And yeah, so the, the top two contenders so far are Harrison Ford in Rise of Skywalker and Michael Keaton in uh, Morbius, which I, w- I give the edge to Harrison Ford because he for sure did not want to do it. I'm going to. I'm going to give a third entrance for a movie for a movie that we've also recently done on the podcast. Uh, Orson Welles in the animated Transformers movie because <laughs> uh, he plays Unicron and it was one of his last credited roles. Yeah. And he described it to friends as I play a toy who eats other toys. Yeah. And he's not wrong. And, and, well, so he's, and, and he gets the advantage, too, because that killed him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that so I think I, th- I think we should call this Wellsing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, it's called you? rosebudding. It's called rosebudding. We're at the end of your life. You are uh, not that I'm saying, look, I hope that Harrison Ford and Michael Keaton live for decades and decades. They have many come. more good years ahead of them. But it's when you're an old. Like, we'll go. No, go ahead. I was going to say it's when you're an older man or woman. Uh, who has to begrudgingly do lines of dialogue for money? Yeah, and the hap- speaking of Harrison Ford, just enjoying life. If you haven't, it came out a few several months ago at this point. But if you haven't seen the reunion photo of Harrison Ford and Kihue Kwan, it's th- it's the happiest I've ever seen Harrison Ford. Yeah, well, I mean, the funny thing about Harrison Ford is that he does not care at all that he played Han Solo, that character that we all love means. <laughs> literally nothing to him could not mean less but he loves being indiana jones and yeah the the reuniting with uh and look that's a movie that we should also do on this podcast because i know a lot of people do not like temple of doom and i am a temple of doom defender me too yeah so i think that that's a silver lining too is that that hug inspired me to uh want to rewatch temple of doom it's a good movie. And, you know, uh, yeah, so we did it. So we're going to keep looking at other bad 2022 releases as we finish out the month. Uh, and, you know, of course, we came up with that classic uh, sign off line. You got that? That we developed in November? Oh, yeah. Beef! Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Aid. 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 Potato Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out.